Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Seek First Podcast. I'm Rick Brown. We talk about everything here, life, sinky God, biblical true, today's culture, and whatever is on my guest's heart to unpack so that we can understand what is happening around us. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Take a minute to subscribe to the Seek First Podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Let's jump in. Welcome, Bill. It's great to have you. Hey, Rick, Bryce, great to be with you. We're excited, Bryce and I, because last night we teed up this whole idea of the food shortages that are coming. The president has announced it. We went over some details uh, nationally here in America of what's going on, Bill, and and we really want you to take that to a global place. But in the last month, uh, some 12 food processing plants have been destroyed in various ways. In the last 12 months, a total of 21 food processing plants in America have been mysteriously, you know, if a couple of industrial accidents happen in a year, that's just normal business. But when this is stacked up, 21 food processing plants in America suffering severe damage, which is going to have an effect. And then on top of that, the avian flu, where there's 27 million chickens and turkeys that are going to be destroyed and taken off the market, affecting the meat market and the uh, egg market. These things, as well as what's happening in the Ukraine, are going to have an effect. That That's not even to mention the fertilizer issues and the seeds, uh, seed plants that may cause a delay in food shortages for a year or two years. But there's a lot going on, Bill, and we always appreciate your astute investigation into these things. Now take us to a global macro type of picture of what's going on. Well, Stalin said to control people through fear and food. In other words, he would orchestrate food shortages uh, because it's harder for people to rebel against him when they're just worrying about what they're going to eat at night. So in 1934, he actually trucked all the food out of Ukraine. And then he put his troops on the roads to keep the people from migrating away and killed millions of people in the Ukraine. And so you can't plot to overthrow Stalin when you're just trying to figure out what you're going to feed your family that night. And then you always keep people in fear where they always think the government is having some you know, misinformation department that is listening to you. I talked to a person that lived in Russia. He said they would go to the restaurant and all you would hear was the utensils clanking because nobody would talk because you never knew if somebody in the next table over was eavesdropping and they could accuse you. And in the middle of the night, they would drag you out of your house and you'd never see your family again. And, uh, and so you'd always keep people in fear and you always keep people with food shortages the one pastor I talked with, uh, he had a his house bugged, and he said people would come to his house, and he would point at the lamp, and they would look and see the little microphone, and if he wanted to talk to somebody, they would go to the kitchen sink and turn on the water, and they would put both of their heads in the sink, and they would whisper to each other what it Jeez. is that they wanted to talk about, and have the water be sort of the, uh, the noise covering it. Uh, fear and food, these are ways to control large populations. And so uh, there's those that uh, believe that maybe this is all just coincidental, that you could have within within a week have two planes fly into two separate food distribution uh, facilities and destroy them. And uh, I was at a conference uh, at the height of the pandemic, and there was a doctor uh, showing pictures of 
facilities where they made um, uh, drugs that could be alternative um, uh, treatments. <laughs> and these facilities were blown up and in flames, uh, lots of them. Uh, and so the uh, part that you brought out, uh, Russia and Ukraine are the world's largest supplier of fertilizer. And so because of this war, lots of countries are not going to have fertilizer, which means they're not going to have good harvests, which means there will be less food. And then Ukraine all by itself is the, the breadbasket for Europe and North Africa. 40% of Egypt gets their food from Ukraine. And even if they could produce it, they have no way to get it down the rivers past the blockades to the, the market. And then you have farmers in America. I recently spoke in Southern Illinois, a very agricultural area. And these, the trains, the Union Pacific trains are uh, not delivering fertilizer in time for the spring harvest. And so uh, you miss that window, it's, it's not gonna be any good. And these farmers are strung out. The way that their situation is, is they, they're borrowing on harvests a year or even two years in advance. And so uh, if there is a crop failure, they're financially in a desperate strait. And then there are trains not delivering grain to the cattle facilities. And so you're gonna have a whole lot of animals not being able to eat and they'll die. And, um, and so th this coupled together with writings of you know, Bill Gates that talks about the world's overpopulated and the Georgia Guidestones that somebody put up in the 1980s that talked about the world's overpopulated and how you want to uh, reduce it by 5 billion people. And uh, it, it's, uh, and the other thing I think is interesting to bring out is uh, the financial implications of the war. And the immediate response is let's cut off Russia from SWIFT, S-W-I-F-T. It is the uh, Western world's financial banking exchange system. And if Russia can no longer use SWIFT, which uses dollars to trade oil, then uh, they're gonna be trading their oil in something other than US dollars. And so this is where it gets serious. Um, now, feel free to interject at any time, uh, Rick and Bryce. Um, We're mesmerized. Yeah. We're not going to interject. You just <laughs> yeah, you keep go going, Bill. So the number one commodity sold worldwide is oil. It's always been traded in U.S. dollars. And that allows America to be what's called the reserve, world's reserve currency. This goes back to a Bretton Woods agreement after World War II that the, the Saudis would sell their oil in U.S. dollars. And so we had this ability to create dollars and inflate our currency and all the rest of the world had to live with it. Um, and so that's what's in jeopardy right now. So the uh, Russia is the third largest supplier of oil worldwide. And if they're locked out of the Western financial system, they're gonna be tempted to trade their, their oil in rubles or wands. And then the Prince of Saudi Arabia recently said that he would consider selling his oil and directly to China without using the US dollar. If Saudi Arabia does that, all of OPEC will do that. And suddenly there will be 
of the world's oil traded in something other than U.S. dollars. And the U.S. dollar will lose its position as the world reserve currency, which means there will be trillions of dollars that have already been created that nobody will need. And they'll be chasing the same amount of goods. And so simple economics, you have more money chasing the same amount of goods, the price of the goods will increase exponentially uh, to the place where it might cost $1,000 to fill up your, your gas tank of your car. And then the next step that they've already thought through is with massive inflation, people will panic and the government will come to the rescue with what's called a, a digital currency. It's uh, like a federally controlled Bitcoin, and they're calling it CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency, where uh, it doesn't matter how many zeros are uh, needed for a transaction, the government will just in real time keep up so that you can keep things going um, with your phone and with your credit cards. And But the federally controlled digital currency will be trackable so the government can literally track all of your purchases and then it can be programmable. They can program the currency so it can be spent at some places and not spent at other places. And then they mix it together with an ESG score, which stands for environmentally, you know, uh, friendly and socially woke and governance. And it's basically your China uh, social credit score where the government will observe every website you visit. They actually know how many seconds you are viewing each web page. Uh, they'll know everything that you purchased, uh, that with the, the geo positioning of your phone, they'll be able to tell if you're in the vicinity of people with low social credit scores and your credit score will go down. And if your score gets too low, your money doesn't work, right? It's sort of like that lady in Canada that gave $50 to the Freedom Convoy and then her um, our, her bank account was turned off. And so uh, this is something that they've been talking about wanting to do for decades. But if they do it, people will know that they're doing it and will hate them. So they need somebody to blame it on. And there's nobody better to blame it on than Russia and Putin. Uh, and so if you saw recently, there was uh a list of all the different crises that have come about after Biden's been in office. Afghanistan, low, uh, you know, employment, uh, inflation going up. Uh, we've gone from an oil uh, exporter to an oil importer. And as we see these crises, uh, the Breitbart article says that uh, Biden met with different CEOs and said that uh, out of this can come a new world order. And where have we heard that before? So uh, so anyway, um, there is the issue of Ukraine and Russia, but there's a bigger issue as the response to this will be a um, the U.S. dollar potentially losing its position as the world reserve currency and then the implementation of their dream of being able to track everyone and control everyone's financial transactions. Those of us that know scripture can't help but see that it's uh, lining up with uh, the different prophetic uh, things of buying and selling without a certain mark. Yep, that's right. So, uh, Bill, 
if this is the pressures right now, and we were sharing this last night, that because COVID's lost its steam and its power, and for them to blame everything on COVID and to uh, control things, it's now been very convenient to pivot, and now it's Russia, Russia, Russia with the Ukraine issue to divert all of the failure here domestically, overseas. And this takes it a step further, which I didn't even see coming on the radar, that the though I knew that there was a potential digital currency, that it would be tied to Russia. And if SWIFT, if they're not able to exchange uh, oil and dollars on SWIFT and have them to go to digital currency. Uh, so thank you so much for bringing that to light. How, how much pressure, because I, we see the midterms, if we can get the house back, there may be some pushback to this kind of government overreach. And, and how do you see things as far as the ETA, the estimated time of arrival, though I know you don't have a crystal ball. What's your thoughts between now and November about these things uh, coming to pass? Uh, I think they have crises planned between now and the election. Um, yeah. They actually strategized this. Um, you know, in 2015, I think that was the year, uh, Bill Gates had a strategy planning um, session of what would be the impact of a global pandemic. And lo and behold, it seemed to take place exactly the way they talked about it. I talked to a guy that was in the military, and he says they would do these war games where they would get the smartest guys together, and they would say, okay, if one country does this, what would be the response back, and will the response be able to counter it sufficiently? And, um, and so with that, Klaus Schwab with the World Economic Forum has proposed planning what if there was a uh, cyber security uh, break? What if, what if all the internet went down? What, and they, they could blame it on Russia, they could blame it on whoever they want to blame it on, but what if it went down, what would be the impact? Now, the reason this concerns me is because it seems like whenever they're gonna uh, study this, uh, they're basically it's coincidental how it ends up being implemented. Um, and so um, so that, that could be the next shoe that falls. Some of the other things that concern me is, you know how you would have an antibiotic resistant um, or a virus. So, so you, you have a, a virus, but then you take a certain antibiotic, but you take it so much that it, it's not effective anymore. So you have to take a stronger antibiotic. And then the, the, the virus, you know, or bacteria or whatever adapts. And you got to take a stronger. And so remember they did Occupy Wall Street and they yep. got away with camping out in cities all across America. It wasn't violent, but it was a nuisance. Well, then you come around with the George Floyd and in Tacoma and Seattle and, you know, Columbus, Ohio, and all these different cities in Detroit and Kenosha where they're actually not just camping out. They're committing violence in these cities. And now, uh, and actually taking them over, making them, you know, independent war zones like in Seattle. Well, the next step is, would be what? It would be actually having um, violence and killings and mobs and going neighborhood to neighborhood. Uh, do I want that to happen? Do I think that's gonna happen? Well, I was just in Houston and they've gone in just since Biden's been in office. One, they've gone from one of the safest cities in America to one of the most dangerous cities in America. And uh, this attorney that was driving me to the airport, he says, I've been here 30 years. He goes, my fear, we're looking to move out of the city uh, because 
I could see within a few years them having violent mobs just going neighborhood to neighborhood and robbing and stealing and and the, the police wouldn't respond, um, you know, because they've been defunded and cut back and so forth. Um, so uh, we don't like to talk negative, uh, but there is. <laughs> well, well, <clears throat> we just need to men sees the future and prepares yeah. himself. We, we look, we just need to, because um, uh, I, I think it's these are very real things that we must talk about. And I do believe that the, the there is a real genuine threat coming of mob violence. And we're seeing it already encroaching upon, you know, our neighborhoods, you know, here locally. And, and some of that stuff, I think, especially if there are food shortages and, and real pandemonium that's created by that, I think those are real possibilities. Now... What we have to do in identifying those things is make sure that we're reminding people of the hope we have in Christ and the strength that we have in community. Because you come into, you know, my neighborhood, we've got a lot of tight community members that are very well trained and fortified and, you know, you know, game to protect those around us. Um and and so we have to we have to be doing that, and we have to think of those things instead of despairing and saying, "Oh, it's all you know, it's it's all done for." Yeah. Um, because this is also the time in which you know the the most awesome of characters are forged, children born in times of adversity are some of the strongest human beings ever, yeah. you know, and and that's the stuff that we have to remind people of. And we've really talked about this, Bill, and I know that uh, you're probably on that same page, but maybe you could speak to this a bit. But looking at the cycle of we're, we're, we're launching into this cultural war that is uh, really totally bent towards socialism to communism or a totalitarian state for a globalization of things. And this cycle of a decade of this or 15 years of this, how it's going to remake not only the world, but, but America. Uh, I just read an article today that they um, surveyed student, college students in the Washington, D.C. area and said, what are the number one priorities in your life? And they said, Con- controlling climate change and controlling COVID. Those are, their, as the college generation, these are the things that are dominating their headspace, yeah. which the, the climate change, even if something happens, we're probably good to go for a thousand years. We know the Lord's coming, so we have a different hope eschatology-wise in the Lord Jesus. But that an entire generation could be filled with fear about this doom and gloom climate change and how we've got to get rid of petroleum. And then the COVID fear, which is erroneous. I mean, it, 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 it's ridiculous. But this is what's happening with the propaganda in our country because they have to go, as you said, they have some more crisis that they have planned between now and November because they've got to, they got to change the course of things. And I've never seen it, and I know any of us, the three of us, I've never seen a president so sold out to sell out the sovereignty of our nation. Yeah. Yeah, um, to be honest, I don't think he knows what's going on. Uh, I think that, um, you know, you you look at the Obama administration, and of course it was the Obama-Biden administration, and the people that ran the country, it was Susan Rice, Valerie Jarrett, Anita Dunn. uh, They were the ones that were actually the machinery that were implementing the agenda. And uh, after Obama was out of office, he goes down the street, builds a fortified mansion, 
and he has who works for him, Susan Rice, Valerie Jarrett, Anita Dunn. And, and then when Biden gets in, uh, those three individuals uh, go into the Biden administration and they go, they basically are back in the saddle. And they're like, okay, let's get back to our agenda, right? And so I actually talked to somebody that uh, is in the know. Um, uh, he uh, has a place next to Mar Largo and uh, was talking to some security, uh, Secret Service type people and said, yeah, basically, you know, George Soros and others call Obama and he calls, you know, Susan Rice and Valerie Jarrett, whatever, and, and they implement the agenda and, and Biden is just a puppet. I mean, he, he really doesn't have any other clue uh, he reads from teleprompters or he says things that um, uh, put his foot in his mouth. Uh, yeah. But here, um, nobody actually believes that he's the, the, the brains behind any type of agenda. Um, and so uh, he, he's a good distraction so that those that are doing it can let him take the heat. Um, but um, it's a, a serious situation and hopefully we can wake up enough people. I, I always come back around to the faith attitude. So I read lots of history. Uh, and every single generation has a crisis, Attila the Hun. I mean, he had an army of a half a million people and he literally wiped out city after city after city in Europe. There was the, a city called Aeolia, if I'm pronouncing that right, but it was like the ninth largest city in Europe. And the Attila built a palace on a hill just to watch his army destroy the city. And so everyone in the city ran out into the Adriatic Sea and they like hammered, uh, you know, like logs down into the, the muck and built platforms and lived on these platforms and would go on boats with long sticks from one to the other on gondolas. And that grew into the city of Venice. The city of Venice, Italy, came out of Attila the Hun. And he was wiping out city after city, you know, Mainz and... And then uh, there was a young woman named Genevieve, and she gets all of Paris to fast and pray. And for some reason, Attila skips sacking Paris. And um, but if we lived during that time, we would, the Christians that lived there thought he was the Antichrist. Now, certainly he had the spirit of Antichrist. And then you look in the 1200s, Genghis Khan kills 30 million people from Korea to Hungary to Russia. Uh, and the Christians at that time thought that he was the Antichrist, and certainly he had the spirit of it. And, but but you go through, one of the things that I've uh, studied is um, how human nature repeats itself. The only variables is military and technological advancements uh, allow bad people to uh, increase their negative effect. But at the same yeah. time, it allows Kill good people quickly. to do what we're doing. And so the stakes get higher. Um, but Jesus says the wheat and tares grow together till the harvest. So if we get through this crisis, I guarantee there'll be another one. We get through yes. that crisis, I guarantee there'll be another one. I mean, who would have thought that you'd have uh, an individual named Elon Musk that would spend $43 billion of his own dollars to buy Twitter? Uh, I mean, this just came out of the blue. Uh, so I do think that, that the good Lord is uh, raising up. You know, there's water pressure. You have a lot of rain, the water pressure goes up. And uh, so if you have a whole lot of evil happening, somewhere God's going to raise up a leader. He's going to raise up. And it's almost like a magnetic uh, response. It's like a, a water pressure response. I was listening to the scripture because I have the Bible on my phone. And uh, they, uh, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and the Pharisees uh, said, tell your disciples to stop saying um, you know, uh, Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus says, if they don't, 
if, if they stop, the rocks will cry out. In other words, the, the, the pressure of creation to praise the, you know, the word of God, that everything was made with the word of God. Without him was not anything made that was made. And here he's walking amongst them. And he says, creation, the, the rocks will cry out. The, the pressure's there. And I was thinking that, you know, here, uh, God's working his plan. And he's either going to use a lot of people with a little courage or a little amount of people with a lot of courage, right? You, you have a heavy weight coming down. You can have, you know, it's like these guys that lay on a bed of nails, right? They, they, they spread their whole body weight over a whole lot of nails. Well, if you have fewer nails, you need a tougher back. <laughs> and, and so uh, it's this idea that um, God is looking. And, and then it gets to the point where there's just one guy that'll stay out. Maybe it's a Gideon. Yeah. Maybe it's a yeah. David against Goliath. Maybe it's Moses against Pharaoh. And that's when God rolls up his sleeves and says, watch this. And of course, the ultimate was Jesus himself against all the wickedness of, of Satan in the world. And, and Jesus stood, right? He was that, that steel, he's the peg in the wall that everything hangs on. He's, he's the backbone, but we're filled with that spirit. And so we have, and, and this is the other thing I, that motivates me, is the idea of silence equals consent. In common law, it's called the rule of tacit admission, T-A-C-I-T, tacit admission. And it's where uh, you've observed it in a wedding ceremony where the pastor says, anybody that's against this wedding, speak now or forever hold your peace. So if you're at the wedding silent, your silence is giving consent. Why is this significant? Because if you're a Christian in church and they're voting on a bill to kill a baby that is 28 days old, and you are sitting in your church silent, worrying about your own relationship with God, and your silence is giving consent to that act. It's murder. And if you give consent to murder, you are an accomplice to murder. You're a murderer. And you can be judged by a just God, right? And so what if they're teaching stuff to children that Jesus would not teach, right? Jesus says, in the beginning, God made a male and female. And yet in school, they're teaching that you can be fluid sex. You can be a boy today, girl tomorrow. You can do anything like that. And if you're sitting there in church, silent, not getting involved, not trying to stop it, your silence is giving consent to that. And Jesus says, if you give consent and you, if you allow one of these little ones that believes in me to stumble, it is better that a millstone be put around your neck and you be thrown in the depths of the sea. So all the people that think they're super spiritual by not getting involved are actually inviting the judgment of God upon their head. Now, Bill, you're traveling and going to a lot of churches. Share with us because we're locked in where we're at, uh, ministering, we're seeking to be a voice, we're wanting to stand up, we're wanting to bring awareness to wake up the church. What are you seeing out there on the road as you're going and, and meeting with different groups? And granted, the people that invite Bill Federer are probably on the same page as us, but are you seeing that apathy or is there an awakening among God's people? Well, the last two days I've spoken in Houston um, at a conference, and the pastor is Steve Riggles, and it's uh, Grace Woodlands. He has a Grace International ministry that where they have thousands of churches all around the world. And um, he uh, was the pastor of a 20,000-member church in Houston, and he stood up to the mayor. The mayor wanted to push this pro-LGBT um, agenda that was, if anybody— is against it 
they would be committing a hate crime. So she subpoenaed all the emails and text messages and sermon notes of every single pastor in Houston. And this pastor, all right, Steve Riggles, together with a lot of African-American pastors, um, were able to say, wait a second, uh, we don't think that you as the mayor should be able to tell us what to preach and what not to preach. They were able to turn the tide and uh, basically present this as the, the mayor is pushing intolerance, where she wanted to push it as, oh, she wants to be super tolerant of this alternative agenda. Well, he was a, they were able to vote that mayor out. And, and so, man, a, a backbone. And I'm seeing this around the country. And now he's starting another church. He had a satellite church, and so now he turned his big church over to an assistant. Now he's starting another church, planting it. Now it's up to around 3,000 members. Just an amazing uh, minister. But I'm running into pastors of all different denominations, and they're all willing to stand up. They're like those rocks crying out. They're like, we just can't sit back. We can't be silent and give assent. Uh, the scripture, by the way, for those that are interested, in Leviticus, it says, if a father hears that his daughter made a vow, in the day that he hears it, if he is silent and doesn't cancel it, the vow stands. But if he says, no, you're not going to keep that vow, well, then she's freed from it. But all he has to do is be silent for one day, and his silence is giving consent to it, and it stands. So this is a biblical principle. Silence equals consent. If there are things going on, and you know about them, it says in Proverbs that if, if, if an innocent person is being carried off to their death, and you see it, but you act like you don't see it, the Lord knows that you see it, and he will hold you accountable, right? And so this is the idea that, that we can't play ignorant. We, we can't just go to church and worship our, our own relationship with the Lord and forget what's going on, that, that um, we're, we're put on this earth to manifest in this physical world what spiritually God has put on the inside of us. And in a sense, we wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, especially guys, we sort of are made for a fight. We're yeah. made for competition. Uh, little boys play, you know, cowboys and Indians and army men. And, and you know, I'm, I'm one of 11 kids. I have five brothers and five sisters. And, I mean, we would get into fights just to fight, right? And then, you know, but we would play together afterwards. But, it, it, but we get to participate in the ultimate battle, the battle of good and evil, the battle of eternity, the battle for Amen. men and women's souls. And um, so, so we get to build the ranks of the Gideons and the Davids and the Moses. This is just our turn. Amen. It really makes me think of one of my favorite verses in First uh, Chronicles sixteen nine, that says, or Second Chronicles sixteen nine, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal toward Him, and the Lord's looking for people to stand up, and He will strengthen. If you stand for him, he will strengthen you. And so, Bill, thanks for being out on the road and uh, being one of those people. The Lord is putting strength in. He's given you a voice. He's given you a platform. And you're crushing it for the Lord to be salt and light. So it's uh, uh, may your tribe increase, and it's a pleasure to have Bill Federer as a friend. Well, Rick, Bryce, great to be with you. And um, it's an honor to, to be a part of all that you're doing. And, and of course, uh, uh, Rob McCoy is a tremendous hero of mine. He's a champion, uh, and we're all That's partaking right. of his courage, uh, yeah. being, the, being under under his umbrella, so to speak. But um, 
anyway, thank you guys for having me on and blessings to all those that have taken the time to listen today. And uh, the good things are ahead. Amen. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Bill. Uh, well, I love it. And I love, you know, ending on that note of encouragement. I will never grow tired of hearing that pastors are standing up, yeah. you know, and I'm and I'm seeing it. And I know we're starting to see it across the, the nation more and more, especially as as things continue to accelerate in the craziness of the moves that they've made, uh, you know, uh, on the left and all of that. And more and more people that before they were just like, well, you know, settle down, you know, uh, take it easy. You know, and now they're going, oh, wait a second. Something really is wrong here. Yeah. You know, and, and I love it. I love it. So it's good. Well, um, that's the end of this episode. Good night, folks. I've seen the light in the darkness. I want hope for the hopeless and rest for the weary mind. And you've got truth for the taking, but my heart won't be shaken if today be the day that I die. Whoa, oh. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now I won't worry about tomorrow or fear in times of trouble. I keep my heart seeking you. Oh, I will keep my heart seeking you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I will keep my heart seeking.